You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how you doing today? Not bad, Nick. How are you? Good. It's Friday, podcast day. Friday. Talking about our uh, favorite subject these days, and that is the the market. Good, bad, yeah. and different, right? This was so much more fun last year. Yeah, sure was. (laughs) But uh, I think that just underscores the point. There's going to be fun times and there's going to be not fun times, right? We know that. Interestingly enough, I think if you would have told people what we've been through and kind of where we're at in the Mm -hmm. last three years, that most people would probably take it. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> three years ago. Doesn't yeah. feel that way today, but you know, three years ago, we probably would have been like, yeah, all right, we can deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, at the start of COVID, it felt like everything was going to unravel. So here we are in the fall of 2022. And uh, I guess the the best framework that we've found to think about what's going on is to break things into the positives and the negatives. Because there's always there's always there's always good things or positive things you can look at going forward, right? Even if in the rearview mirror everything's ugly, and even in the even in the good times, there's things to worry about. So this is a this is a useful all weather way to think about the markets and the economy. Yep, absolutely. On the positive side of the ledger, right now, you know, and and we uh, we work with uh, East Bay Investment Solutions, and this is this is Mario's. Uh, Mario's work we're looking at here, but you know, on the on the positive side, fixed income yields are the highest they've been in years. There's actually interest income in the bond market now. Yeah, it's really kind of remarkable if if you think it's been a long time since we've had yeah. anything to talk about in terms of yields and and even in bond markets, but also shorter term cash, treasuries, things like that, that have kind of been forgotten over the last 10 years. There's actually some decent returns to be had there. Yes. It's been a long time, like thinking back to the beginning of my career since, uh, (laughs) you know, bond income looked attractive. And, uh, and you know, that while, while the return on bonds has been negative because the yields and the prices move inverse of each other, when the yields are going up, the prices are going down on existing bonds, you know, we know that over time, that means that we'll have more interest income coming in from our bond funds, which is where you make most of your money on bonds anyway. Right. And I think, you know, you really have to think about how bonds work in terms of, yes, if you look at the ag, the intermediate term bond kind of index, if you will, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting down around what, Dave, somewhere around 10, 11%, 12%, 12% down around there. Yeah. Yeah. But the reason for that isn't necessarily because people are worried that, you know, corporate bonds are going to, corporations are going to default on their bonds. It's all about interest rate. Right. And so as long as the way that that bond works, as long as you hold on to it, eventually you're going to get your original investment out of it. Right, right. And so for most of our investors, we've got a few people with individual bonds, but most of our investors own bond funds. And when you own a bond fund, it's just a a big portfolio of a few hundred bonds. And those bonds, some of them are shorter term, some of them are longer term on purpose. And those, the shorter term bonds in the portfolio will be turning over and reinvesting at the new higher rates. Mm-hmm. So even if 
the bond market prices don't recover quickly, we'll start to see the interest income go up. And it takes some time, but um, you know, we'll start to see some of that offset, you know, some of the damage that's been done. And the trade-off is actually a good one in the long run. Right. Absolutely. So we've got that on the good side of the ledger. Another, you know, kind of brighter spot is that the CPI, the consumer price index headline inflation in September had dropped to 8, 8.2%. It's hard to say dropped to 8.2%. You know, in June, we were seeing a high of 9.1%. So, you know, that is at least a first sign that the actions the Federal Reserve is taking to lower uh, inflation, as well as, you know, we've, we've said all along, we should start to see some of the inflation that was artificially high due to the COVID shutdowns start to work its way through the system and things start to drop back towards normal. Yeah, probably definitely a combination of both of those things more than anything else as far as, you know, what's actually driving the, the, the steep fall in inflation from 9.1 to 8.2%, right? We say right. that in jest. Um, because, I, you know, if, if we were sitting here two years ago and we're talking about 8.2% inflation projections, I think yeah. we'd both be... Be, be curious about that. But, and, you know, and so these, the headline inflation is looking back how far, like what the comparison is to last year, right? So, and that's a pretty big jump from last year, but even like, so we've talked about I-bonds a little bit. I know those rates are going down because that's more of a six month. And so the six month increase has been in the 6% right. range. So, you know, we're starting to see that kind of come to fruition a little bit. So another positive, like silver lining to the market being down is equity and fixed income valuations are much more attractive they, than they were at the start of the year. And, and this is always hard with, with clients and with the investing public at large. But, you know, if you thought the stock market was a good idea back in November and December, uh, you know, of last year, it's a great idea now if you thought it was a good idea then, right? right. Prices yeah. are lower, but we don't like to think about it that way. Everybody's like, oh no, I don't want to, I don't want to buy any, anything in the market. Everything's dropping. Well, I, I, we've probably said it a hundred times in the last six months on this podcast, you know, people don't like to buy stocks when they're on sale, but now's the time to buy. I don't think we can, you know, uh, overstate that enough in terms of if you're in accumulation mode, this should, you know, you should be, you know, cheersing mm-hmm. your friends and, and out celebrating with beers or something <laughs> well, because these opportunities don't always come along. Yeah. And you, but, but also too, whether you're in accumulation mode or decumulation mode, if you're invested and you're frustrated by the fact that the market has dropped so much over the last year, the fact that valuations are attractive now, even if you don't have money to invest yourself, that is a positive sign for the holdings you do have because earnings are hanging in there so far, which is a, a bright spot, you know, right. as companies are announcing what's going on. And now that their stocks are cheaper, they're going to be attractive to other investors, which is what it takes to push your investments higher again. So just the fact that valuations are lower, it's great if you can buy, but it's also good just if you're already in the market just know that valuations are what underpins, you know, the price of stocks. Absolutely. And I think another point to make here, Dave, is 
if you're an investor, that means you're, you know, looking at the long term, you're investing for the long term, right? And so yep. that is, you know, the valuations being are much more attractive for your long term yep. part of your portfolio, where if you are playing the game of speculation and trying to figure out where the bottom is, or what's going to what it's going to be like in the next three to six months, who knows? Right. right, right. Uh, but so valuations can't tell you exactly what's going to happen in the short term. But in the long term, that means if if you're a longer term investor, it's attractive now, much more attractive now to hold on to those yes. stocks yes. in your portfolio as your long term strategy. Valuations are a horrible short term indicator, but they're the only reliable long term indicator. And when valuations are low, we'd expect stock returns over the next 10, 15 years to be higher than than average. Right. So, yep. And then, you know, another positive thing going on right now, we still have a very strong jobs market. We're seeing 3.5% unemployment rate still. And that's just not consistent with past economic downturns. Mm-hmm. So if if you have if you have a recession and nobody loses their job, was it really a recession? I'm not, I, would, I don't think anybody's saying that we're going to have an economic slowdown and the unemployment rate is going to stay at 3.5. But when you're already starting at a number that most economists would tell you is full employment, we're starting from a very healthy spot and there's room for things to slow down without a lot of people getting hurt. Yeah. And this number is interesting because we've heard a lot of headline news around, especially big tech companies starting to lay off or slow down on hiring. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen some companies kind of respond to the economic news and changing some of their employment practices. And this number is still sitting at three and a half percent. Right. Well, and and where we're seeing it change is more like in the job openings than in actual um, like laying off we're seeing companies not replace people that would normal you know normally leave through attrition so job job openings has come down um as companies say hey things might not be so great over the next 6 months or a year so far not a lot of layoffs yeah so that'll be an interesting one to watch and, and i don't think anybody's going to you know, go on a limb and say that this number probably stays where it's at. But the fact that it's kind of hanging around and, you know, this number will probably tick up a little bit, but that probably means that, you know, if it doesn't, you know, I think it's easier to come back from than if it, you know, was starting to get worse and worse in the short term, if that makes sense. On to the uh, other side of the ledger reasons for concern right now. And this first this first bullet point on this list is really just a catch-all. There's plenty of negative headlines out there right now, right? Inflation is still stubborn. Um, we've actually, while well, we've seen the CPI come down, core inflation that the Fed focuses on hasn't moved much. So that's mm-hmm. been that's been frustrating. We are seeing signs that economic growth is slowing. The war in the Ukraine uh, is hurting inflation and causing a lot of uncertainty around energy prices this winter and shows no signs of de-escalating at this point. And good old uh, coronavirus won't go away and leave us alone. There's still COVID-19 concerns and lockdowns in China. And that's the short list, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else? (laughs) 
Oh, you know, and there's always reasons for concern, but, you know, I think you're right. There's a a lot of them right now and it's just, you know, it's a challenging time and, you know, it makes everybody on edge a little bit and that certainly affects and that's what we see when you look at the VIX and the volatility in the market. Um, All of those concerns translate into crazy days like we've seen in the last couple of weeks of, you know, big gains and big losses on, uh, you know, a single week. Well, and, and there's a big one that didn't make this little list here, but that I would add is we're coming into um, a uh, fairly important and fairly contentious election here. Right. A lot of clients in the last week have asked me what that's going to mean for their portfolio. And all I can say is it's going to mean things are going to be volatile for a few weeks. I can guarantee that <laughs> um, it could be good volatility or bad volatility, but uh, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't downplay the significance of this news cycle and what it's going to mean for the markets in the short run, in the long right. run. And we've talked about this in past election years and, and I'm, I think we're going to need to put something out here again in the next week or two. But, you know, the short story is that we get we tend to vote once at the ballot box and then we want to vote again with our portfolio when things don't go the way that we want. But in the long run, it doesn't mean anything for the markets usually, you know, on the periphery, it may but not anything that's directly like, yes, this person won this election and that did this to the economy. Yeah, well, and it's interesting too because usually we don't have these conversations around midterm elections, but no. it seems like this one is, you yeah. know, a different beast altogether. So it'll it'll be uh, interesting to see that news cycle and, and what kind of what happens as a result in the short term. But like I said, in the yeah. long term, not really going to move the needle. Outside of headlines, you know, the big concern hanging over everything right now, for the most part, is what if the Fed and the other central bakers around the world raise rates too high and too fast trying to fight inflation? What if they overdo it and cause a recession? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people think that they, you know, they're too far gone already, right? Like a lot of people think that there's no chance that they can do what they call, I love it, their soft landing when it comes to raising interest rates um, and not going into, you know, a a recession. And and so only time will tell. Um, but you know, the, the fed's big response to this and a lot of it came out of what happened in the seventies when we had similar situations is their feeling is the harder and faster you go after this, the less likely it is to damage the economy long-term. That doesn't mean we won't be in a shorter term type of recession, but they're way more concerned and have come out as said as much that inflation is way more damaging to the long-term of the economy than a potential recession. Right. And, and, you know, comparing where we're at right now to the 1970s, other than there was high inflation and the Federal Reserve raised rates, that's really where the comparisons kind of end because the, the, the Fed had been slow to act and inflation had done damage to the economy and unemployment right. was already high and all kinds of things were going on. You know, history never repeats, but it usually rhymes a little bit. The fact that I would, I, th- I think the general consensus is right that they have to go after it fast before it becomes a systemic problem. And if they overdo it, they can correct later. Right. And, you know, that it's interesting 
you know, what will this mean for the markets as opposed to the economy? It seems to me, and this is anecdotal and don't, you know, hang too much on this, but it seems to be the market's already like primed, like expecting bad news. And that I don't, I don't think anybody's out there like thinking the Fed's got it right. <laughs> yeah, know? right. <laughs> at least that's my, that's my feeling. And so if they don't, it's kind of like how much, you know, will, what will the stock market do? You know, it's, it's hard to say. A lot of a lot of the bad scenarios may already be baked into the expectations right now, so that when the news comes that those expectations were correct, it may, you know, the market may be able to shrug it off, and the bond market, based on the yield curve, is already expecting that the Fed's got it wrong. So, yeah, you know, and I would agree with you too, Dave. It's one, you know, we've never been in this situation before, right? There, there's never been a moment in history that is exactly like this one. So nobody mm-hmm. knows what the right response is, and if the buttons that the Fed pushes are right or wrong. I guess only time will tell. To the point that, you know, like you said, a lot of people don't, you know, don't agree or don't think that they're doing the right thing right now. I would imagine that the people that are in that room, the small group of people that are in that room don't agree on it. So, yeah, (laughs) you know, they've got, they've got some of the, some of the best economists in the country, if not the world working on this. Right. Yeah. Mario has a great um, slide in his deck from this quarter. That's a cartoon of a couple looking like trying to drive by looking in their rearview mirror. (laughs) Because that's exactly what the Federal Reserve has to do. They're looking at inflation numbers, which are backwards. You know, they tell us what prices did already and are a month old by the time they figure them out and unemployment. Well, those are both lagging indicators of the economy. They don't tell us anything about where we're headed. So how we can expect them to get it right is beyond me. And, I, right. and that's nobody's fault. That's no knock on their abilities. It's just that's you know I, we've we've used the analogy of macroeconomics basically being like a big bowl of cooked spaghetti too. You know, and you pull on one strand somewhere, something's going to move, but you don't know exactly how it's going to react. It's not physics. Yeah, well, it's interesting. We were just at the uh, XYPN live. Um conference, Dave. And, and one of the things that uh, Carl Richards, uh, who mm-hmm. both you and I are a big fan of said is at some point, you got to make a decision and then you move forward and you get more right. information and you decide whether or not you're on the right Another, path or you need right. to make a different decision. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you can't just sit there and wait and hope something happens. You got to, at some right. point, you got to make right. a decision and move forward. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Carl's and I'm also a big fan of, uh, General Ulysses Grant, who's about as polar opposite of Carl Richards as you can get. (laughs) But he said something similar. He would say, well, you know, when faced with the enemy, let's try something and then we can, you know, we'll we'll know soon enough if we were right or wrong and we can do something else. And, you know, rather than just sit here and and wait. And and so, yeah, (laughs) you know, you've got to do something and you've got to try and we'll see what happens and we'll correct. So our last reason for concern, Dave, I'll leave this one up to you. <laughs> <laughs> what does what does Russia do from here? And boy, you know, the Federal Reserve, at least we can look at and figure, you know, some logical expectations around what they're going to do. Uh, anybody's guess with Russia, right? At the end of the day, it's real politique. It'll be interesting to see what they determine is in their best interest in the long run, but that's how they're going to act. And at least um, in the short run, that's 
not been good for energy markets and certainly, you know, the market hates uncertainty and that's where we're at with them. So, and I think the big overriding thing that we should touch on here, obviously there's some positives, there's some negatives, but you know, things are scary out there. Uh, Mm. You know, if you listen to the news, it's scary. I get scared about where we're at and what the future holds and what potentially could happen to the market. So I, you know, I, I understand that, especially from a, a client standpoint, you and I have had a lot of these client conversations lately, but you know, there are things that we've set in place and, and decisions that we can make and, and really looking at moving forward with the best that we can. And, 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 you know, I, I think everybody should take some time out and reflect on what's best for them moving forward and for the long term. And not necessarily, you know, we realize it's scary out there, but a lot of this stuff can't drive your long-term decision-making. Right. And that's, you know, we, we're, we're programmed to react, right? And, right? and a lot of the instincts that go into that programming are the wrong thing to do in, when it comes to your finances. So try to remember that, but boy, yeah, you're right. These are, these are the times that uh, try people's souls, as they say. So with that, uh, Dave, for our listeners, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. Um, and we will put some slides up in the show notes and link to our other quarterly review stuff for you guys to dig in a little deeper. Uh, if you're interested, that'll all be in yeah. the show notes. Yeah. For, the, uh, for those who want the statistics and the details, we've got, we'll have quite a bit up there. Indeed. As always, been a pleasure, Dave. Thanks, Nick. Talk to you later. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.